0: Welcome to the Sunday morning podcast from Kingdom Faith Church in Crawley. This message is by Clive Urquhart. It's great together. This is not a pre recorded Sunday. We are live right now. Uh, together, and uh, so I can't make any mistakes. Uh, can't do any editing. So uh, this needs some anointing with the Holy Spirit to flow right through without going. Uh, where was I going next, and what's happening next? So we want to just flow on with what God's been doing. We've been we've been in this whole kind of series of living the Jesus life, and what does that really mean? We've been looking at some of the words that Jesus says because we want to build our lives on the rock of who He is. Now, we know there are many, many things happening around the world at this time. There's a lot of shaking going on and God loves to shake things. And when he shakes things, he removes everything that is not of him so that everything that is of him remains. And last week we had a great time with Jake, uh, just chatting through the whole racism situation that's really come to the surface. And I just love the way that he shared, really from his heart, also his experience. But more than that, he shared really from God's perspective on what God sees and how God sees things, and then how we together move towards one another to see a change in this situation to make sure we stand together. We love one another. We go beyond the boundaries of restrictions that some people say there must be and and all of that. And and I just thank you, Jake, for sharing that last week. And I I know that affected me and impacted me and that's helped me this week, just to think through and process some stuff about the way that I look at people or the way I perceive people or the way I treat people. And that's so important because God is speaking to us in the context of harvest at the moment. And in a harvest, there there, there can't be any Reference towards people. There can't be any likes or dislikes in that in that sense. God's heart is for every person to come to know Him. And He is releasing His heart in us for every person. So that no matter what situation comes up, no matter, no matter what people we meet or the or, or how we come across situations in our lives, we meet them with His heart with his compassion and with his mercy. So we wanna flow on this morning and and some of what I'm gonna say, I'm gonna read out to you this morning. God seems to be just saying a lot to me that I'm writing things down and, and, and on Sundays, that seems to be one of the ways that that what he wants to say is coming across. So there's some scriptures, uh, and also there's some stuff I'm going to read, plus some other stuff just to uh, kind of expand on on the scripture that we're going to look at. But I just want to read a couple of things, uh, first of all, that will then lead into the first scripture we're going to be looking at at this morning. When I I was praying during the week, one of the the things in the scripture that, that God kind of spoke to me as I was reading some stuff about Jesus and what he did in situations. I felt God say to me, Clive, it's time to go public. And I know he wasn't just talking to me, he was, he's talking to the church. And I believe God's saying to us as a church and to the church, it's time to go public public. There are many agendas out there. There are many voices out there. There's a lot of noise out there in different ways. The media have a huge effect on society in terms of their voice, their noise and what they're trying to communicate. But also there's something on the earth called the body of Christ, the church of Jesus Christ. And and the church of Jesus Christ has a voice and that voice is God's voice in us and sometimes that voice is a still small voice that speaks quietly into our lives but other times that voice has a sound to it it's called a roar it's a declaration it's something that comes out strong and we know that being a christian is not just what we say it's what we live and how we live out our christian faith but the two go together what we live and what we say, what we say and what we live. But I believe it's time that, the, the, as God was saying, it's time for the church to go public. Now we're going to look at that this morning and see what does that, that mean. So I just want to read you a couple of things first. It says it's, I've just written down here, the Christian life swims against the current or the spirit of the world. The world's thinking actions and lifestyle are motivated and informed by this spirit, the spirit of the world, which is an anti-God spirit. This is why repentance is so important when somebody comes to know Jesus, because it is a 180 degree turn around from one current, the spirit of the world, the spirit of this age, to a completely different current, which is the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Now, we know in this moment that we're in, the world's current that it flows by has been interrupted by a storm called COVID-19. The focus of these last few months has been in the world, has been to try to fend off and survive in the current storm. Now, the storm at this moment is ceasing and the world is gradually drifting back to its ways. Maybe there's a few interruptions or a few inconveniences going on in that, but basically the world is beginning to go back to what it knows. There's the beginning of rush once again, the beginning of hurry, the driven culture that we live in. There's this culture of chase, people are chasing stuff, chasing things, chasing their dreams and everything. There's a culture to get. I've got to get something. I've got to have something. It's a pleasure, leisure, kind of driven culture. And that is just beginning to pick up. Everybody's out and about a bit more, going shopping, doing this, that and the other. But what does that mean for us? What's God saying still in the middle of all of that? Because the world has its own tempo. It has its own thing it's doing. But in this Sealar moment, for the church. What does the word Selah mean? You see it in Psalms where sometimes you get some of the way through a Psalm, then there's a little word, Selah. What does it mean? It means to pause, it means to reflect, to review, to meditate. So when you're in a Psalm and you're reading something, then it says Selah, it doesn't just mean have a pause and wait until somebody says read the rest of the Psalm. What it means is look back on what you've just read, reflect on what you've just been reading, meditate, review, Who is it been talking about? Who Who is God? What is he all about? What does he mean in relation to me? Who am I in relation to him? That's what it means. It means to be in awe of, it means to take a moment. And this this recent time has been to take a moment where God is speaking, God is saying things and we need to not only just reflect, but we also need to review and then we need to meditate. What does meditate mean? Meditate means to mull over what you are thinking about, what you are reading, what you are hearing, and say, what does that mean for my life? Because God is reminding us what living in the opposite of the world's current looks like. And we need to make sure that as the world picks up its pace, in terms of everything it's driven by and and goes after and we need to continue to live at the pace that God wants us to live at because when we live at God's pace, we see God's things happening, not only in us, but through us. So let's have a look, what what does it mean to live against the the current flow of how the world does? Hebrews 12 verses one to three, it says therefore, whenever you see therefore in the Bible, it's because something has happened beforehand that we need to take note of that then gives the reason why what is being said next is actually being said and in Hebrews 11 it's taught it's the whole chapter on the heroes of faith those that live by faith Many not having seen in their lifetime what they saw, but they were living for something beyond the moment. They lived their life around the purposes of God. Many did see God fulfill things in their life. But what we see the life of faith is about is you live with a bigger picture of what life is all about than what you just see in the moment. What does the life of faith do? It says, this is what God is saying. This is what life is all about. This is what God is doing. And this is how you are part of what he is doing. And so therefore in that context, we then the writer of the Hebrews then says, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, those people of faith that have gone before us, in the light of that, because this is what they did in their lives. This is what it then says in Hebrews, let us throw off everything that hinders. What does it mean? Let's throw off everything that hinders us living this life of faith, this life that God has called us to for his purposes. Let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. What's the writer describing? He's describing the life that our heroes of faith live by and they're in the Bible to say, hey guys, People of faith lived like that then in their day, in their culture, against the flow of everything that was anti-God then. And and today is the same. In in a culture uh, and a flow of life that doesn't take God into account, we're we're encouraged here, live this new life. Live this kingdom life. Live the life of Jesus in this day, in the midst of the current that flows against that, live in that and swim against that and then we're going to see what happens as a result. It says, let us run with perseverance, why? The people of faith ran with perseverance, therefore we run with perseverance. I don't know about you guys, but sometimes what goes on in our culture and society and laws that are made. Sometimes you want to tear your hair out a bit and it's like, where is God in that? Where do people take even an account of who God is and how we could live as a nation? And it says, let us run with perseverance. Now, perseverance is a character trait. How is that developed? Perseverance is developed when we live under pressure, when there are challenges, when things aren't going your way, that's when perseverance, that character of God is developed in us, and why do we need perseverance? Because there's a race that is marked out for us. What's the race marked out for us? It's God's current, it's God's flow, it's God's purposes. That's the race marked out, it's his will, and this is what we are living for. But we're living in days we know are being shaken, okay? So in these days that we're living, what does it say in verse two? In these days where we're living and running with perseverance, let us fix our eyes on Jesus fix our eyes on him. Why? Because if you fix your eyes on other stuff, firstly, you're gonna get sidetracked and distracted. Secondly, when you take your eyes off Jesus and you start looking at yourself, you start to get upset, disillusioned, and your life just seems to go in a downward spiral. But when you fix your eyes on him, what do you have to do? You have to lift your head up to see who he is. You're not looking down at looking at, y- at yourself. But what does it say? L- fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith, of our faith, who for the joy set before him, endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. There's some amazing wisdom in here. When we fix our eyes on him, he's authoring constantly his word, his life in us. He's perfecting that. He's enabling what he's already done in us as children of of, of Christ, He's perfecting that life in us. Then he says, who for the joy set before him endured the cross. See, Jesus was looking beyond the moment. When we know what God is doing and we understand the moment that we're in, when I say moment, I don't just mean today, the moment of time that we're in and what God is saying and how we need to live. That enables us to live beyond the challenges, to live beyond uh, what seems to come against us, because we're living for something bigger, something more than that. So that enables us to endure through the challenges. Then it says here, Jesus sat down at the right hand of the throne. Why? Because he accomplished everything that he needed to accomplish. Then in verse 3 it says, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So in the context that we're in, as the world picks up pace, as the world goes back to its normal, we're not going to go back to what was our normal. We want to continue in what God is saying and doing so no matter what the world does we're not going to lose heart we're not going to grow weary we're going to continue because something is happening I know it is on me and I'm sure it is on you on the inside of you at this moment there's a growing kind of sense of God is on the move in a fresh way he's releasing his spirit in a fresh way there are so many prophetic words and voices from around the world coming at the moment that there is a fresh release of his spirit a fresh release of the reign of God oh, a I N, God raining down afresh, as well as his R E I G N, his reign coming. There's something of the sovereignty of God that I think we all sense at the moment is beginning to be released in a completely fresh way for the harvest and the scale of what God wants to do. So, what is what have we just read in those three verses? We've read living a consecrated life. What does it mean to live consecrated? It means The word consecration means to be cleansed, to be purified from sin. It means to be pure, devoted to God, set aside exclusively for him, withheld from ordinary use and treated with special care as something that belongs to God. See, why does the right of the Hebrews say what he does in those first three verses? Because we've now been set apart. We no longer live... Of the world with the same spirit, we now have a different spirit. We have the spirit of God. So we live in the world, but we're not of it. We're gonna unpack this a bit more. But we live a consecrated life, a life that has been set apart by God. We've now been made holy. Therefore, the Holy Spirit is in us to enable us to live that holy life in a in a current that lives an opposite life to this holy life, but with the Holy Spirit he enables us to live this way as a set apart person, okay? Why is this so important, okay? Let's jump to Matthew 24. We're gonna read a few verses here. Why is this so important, okay? That we live this set apart life, that we understand the moment that we're in, we understand who God is and what he is doing. Let's have a look. Now, this is in the context where the disciples asked Jesus, okay, because he'd been talking about kind of uh, the end times, if you like, and they asked him, when is all this going to happen? What's the signs of some of this stuff? This is what Jesus says in Matthew 24. Jesus answered the disciples, watch out, that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah not Jesus, but they themselves are the Messiah and will deceive many You will hear of wars and rumours of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed Such things must happen, but the end is still to come Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you'll be handed over to be persecuted and put to death, and you'll be hated by all nations because of me. Verse 10, at that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other and many false prophets will appear and deceive many people because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold but he who stands firm till the end will be saved and then, verse 14, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations and then the end will come Now some of you might be sitting there this morning with your muesli, your cornflakes, having a bit of toast and a cup of tea thinking, Clive, what a verse to read on a Sunday morning. Isn't this more kind of to read in a seminar or a conference or a different session rather than Sunday morning when I'm just getting the sleepy dust out of my eyes and all of that. No, 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 why is this so important? Because God is redefining who the church is in a fresh way at this time, so that we don't go back to a mixture of living God's way, but also living very influenced by the world and, it, and its way. And these scriptures speak for themselves in terms of what Jesus says. And, and what does Hebrews talk about in those first three verses? That's how to stay in the truth. That's how to stop being from being deceived in terms of what is going on. There's a lot of warnings in here. One of the challenges about the lockdown, one of the challenges about being in our homes, if we're not careful, is that we can start chilling out and relaxing, take our foot off the pedal and kind of think, well, when we come out of this, then I'll get back in with God or once the church starts gathering, then we'll get going. We might start gathering sometime in a few months time as we come back to gather together. But how we're communicating online and digitally, we're going to continue to do this in different ways because the world, the real world, is not just the physical world. The real world is a digital world because in that digital world are real people. heard some amazing stats yesterday. Just want to read these to you. 1.7 billion people are on Facebook. 100 million people are on Instagram. 262 million people are on Twitter. And listen to this, 5 billion people a day use YouTube. (laughs) There's a real world out there. It's like a new continent. I heard somebody describe it as, and uh, and Mark 16 says, go into all the world. There's a world out there that is not just physical. There is a digital world with real people on their device and what an amazing opportunity we have to reach so many people, but we know in that digital world there's there's a certain stream and current that is very challenging, very time consuming, can be very distracting, can be very negative, can be full of all kinds of stuff that can destroy lives in different ways. But also, as believers, we can use this digital world to share the gospel, to share our story, to bring a different spirit into that context. It's a real world, and and rather than just saying, oh, it's evil, it's not good, or it's all rubbish, Millions, billions of people are living their lives in that world. And we want to be in that world in different ways, speaking, bringing something of God. You never know who's listening and what God wants to do in and through that context. Now, I just want to read a few other things to you, okay? Are you all right? Sitting tight there. Let's just keep going this morning. It's easy to think, what I've just read in Matthew 24, when you think, oh, come on, Clive, that's a little bit over the top. It might be easy to think, well, that won't be me. I'm not going to go off the boil. The love I have for God, that's not going to grow cold because I know the truth, I know the word, I know who Jesus is. Easy to think that might not be me or this wouldn't happen in my lifetime in terms of some of the things we've just read. This revival, this move of God, whatever we want to call it, this end time move of God around the world, okay, is going to be like no other of course at the heart of it will be a people of faith, a people of love, uh, a people of holiness, a people of power, a people of his authority. The nature and the character of Christ never changes. What he forms in us will always be the same because he, he, he forms himself in us to live like he does but it's in a context that we've not seen or experienced before on an unprecedented scale in terms of how God is gonna move. This is not gonna be a neat and tidy, orderly move of God. It will not be a comfortable consumer's revival. God is shaking at the moment, and His shakings, part of it, are to detox the church from sin, from self, and the world. So she can, the church can actually stand healthy, vibrant and strong in these days ahead. His shakings are also exposing unrighteousness and the plans of the enemy. You know, the racism stuff that went on and has been going on these last few weeks and is still continuing. It's something that's been going, that's an unrighteous thing that's going on. Maybe the way it came to the surface wasn't a righteous way, but God's gonna use that to deal with that unrighteousness, that injustice of racism and many other things too, okay? God is shaken to expose unrighteousness. This is why the church has not only to be awake and alert in terms of prayer, but also ready for the task at hand to live and to be the way God has called us to be. But many believers might say, nah, Clive, come on, or other people, no, you're overdoing it. You're going off the deep end with this kind of stuff. Of course, this isn't going to happen in my lifetime. Now, the thing is, what we don't realise, or many don't, is we are already in those days that Jesus spoke about in Matthew 24. We're already living in them. Just listen to this. I've called you to front foot Christianity, not back foot passivity. The deceit of the enemy for some will be a passivity they never thought they would have in their own lives. For others, it will be a general decline back to the way they were as life around them seems to go back to normal, so will they. For others, it will be a disconnect from the body, the church, Some people are going to misread what God is doing and they'll become their own shepherd, their own oracle, not realizing the enemy is separating them out to deceive and to devour them. But those who have ears to hear what my spirit is saying, they will adjust, they will make room and they will leave behind what they have known to venture into the new. When paradigms, methods and certain lifestyle have been in place for so long, there needs to be fresh revelation as to what God is saying and doing. Without that revelation, people can't change positions in the boat, they can't shift to the other side. Now some of you might say, what does that mean suddenly? They can't change positions in the boat. One of the things that God's been saying to us and to the church in general is throw your nets on the other side. We've been fishing in a certain way, living in a certain way, doing in a th- certain things in a certain way and we might say, well, we haven't exactly caught a lot and Jesus comes along and he says, hey guys, throw your nets on the other side. In order to do that, you have to change positions. You have to pivot. You have to move from one position to another But It's not just one or two. Everybody has to move at the same time to then throw the nets on the other side. And that's what it means here. Without the revelation, without understanding, without perceiving what God is saying, we're still going to be staying in the same position, looking for God to work in a certain way, doing the same things as we've always known Him. And He's saying, oh, I've shifted and you've got to shift with me. If you don't shift me, you're going to miss what I'm doing because I'm no longer blessing what I used to bless and seeing the." way I used to do things. You're not going to see that anymore. I've now moved." And God gave us a word as Kingdom Faith at the last faith camp through Pastor Andy Elms. And as he was praying for us as Kingdom Faith, he said that there's this glory cloud like the people of Israel had. They they had the cloud by day and the pillar of fire at night. And, and the word that he brought was God is that as the cloud moves, so did the people move. And, and the word he brought was the cloud is moving over kingdom faith. And we have to move with his cloud of glory, with his cloud of him revealing who he is. Because if we don't, we're still looking over the boat in, into some water where there's, there's no harvest. There's no fruit in the same way. So God is saying to us, shift, move, pivot. So we need to understand and perceive that. But then what else does he say or have I written down? Because the other side of the boat, the other side is to go public. Letting down the nets into the deep is to go where the problems, the challenges, the opposition and the sin are at their worst. The deep hides many things. Its environment is not conducive to light, but this is where the light is most effective and therefore the nets are the most effective. Nets are designed for the deep. They are designed to bring in huge catches. This is what the church is designed for, not just for a few in the shallows, but for many in the deep. What does this mean? And a phrase that God has been speaking to us about. It means all hands on deck. It means a huge catch. A huge catch means a lot of hard work. It also means a huge catch needs time and attention. It means a huge catch, means working together. Wow, Jesus came on a rescue mission to make forgiveness, salvation, reconciliation with him, salvation and eternal life with God possible. Now his mission to us is to take that to the world, his life, his kingdom to the world. If we understand the moment that we are in, then we understand the mission that we have been given. The mission determines our life and our lifestyle. The mission gives us God's perspective. It gives us his, uh, and, and his perspective then changes our perspective. When we see life and the world and everything that is happening through his eyes, through his vantage point, we don't then get caught up in the current and the flow of the world and the culture because firstly, we have been saved and rescued out of that way that system, that spirit, that dominion and into another kingdom. And secondly, because we're now in his kingdom, we're now living for something that is beyond the moment. It's not about our lives. It's about him and his purposes. We're now living, we now have his kingdom in us so that we can live the kingdom life in, in the current of this world to bring people out of the current of this world and into his kingdom. We are not trying to convert anybody, we are rescuing people out of an eternity of hell and into an eternity with God. Wow, what a mission. See that's eternal thinking, that's living beyond the moment. Here's a question, From the Lord. Why have I been raising up a global worship and prayer movement in the church for the last few years? This is what I believe God said. Because the battle is His, the victory is His, and the enemy has to flee at the sound of His name. And I believe God said, where there is no adoration, there is no revelation. And without revelation, no one will see me. People will perish. So I'm raising up worshipping warriors, raising up worshipping intercessors for my glory to fill the earth. You know, when we talk about harvest, sometimes we just talk at the level of talking to your mate talking to your neighbour, a one-on-one, that is all part of harvest and we all need to be sharing the gospel more and more and more. But coupled with what God is saying about the harvest and and praying into that and reaching our friends and neighbours and what that means and looks like, there is something sovereign that he is doing also at this moment that's gonna be on a scale that none of us have seen and known before, something on a global scale as he moves by his spirit. And this is partly why he's been raising up a global move in the church of worship, lifting up his name, intimacy, Father's heart, adoration, Honor in His name, humbling ourselves before Him, worshiping it, and with that, a new release of prayer and intercession, prophetic prayer and intercession, coupled with worship globally, all around the world, prayer houses, prayer movements, a fresh move of God of worship and prayer in the church in a fresh way. Why? Because God is bringing His glory to the earth in a fresh way once again. Let's have a read, and what what in Isaiah chapter six. What does this look like? What does this mean? It says here in Isaiah 6 verse 1, In that year king, the king Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, this is Isaiah with a vision of who God is, highly and exalted, seated on a throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him was seraphim, each with six wings, with two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying and they were calling to one another holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty they were worshipping him they were so full of him so their whole beings were infused with him the cry was holy 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 the worship the worship the worship but then what happened as a result of the worship it then says the whole earth is full of His glory. That's the result, that's the outcome of the worship. God is raising up a worshiping church, a worshiping people. Verse four, at the sound of their voices. The doorpost and threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke. What happens when the church all across the globe is worshiping Him, giving Him in adoration, day and night worship, day and night prayer that is going on? What's the result in the heavens? The doorposts and the thresholds of heaven shook. What's one of the things that Jesus is getting us to pray? Our Father in heaven, Hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Well, in heaven, when they worship Him like that, everything is shaken. When we worship Him like this on earth, everything is shaken. That's what God is doing. He's shaking everything on earth at the moment. Some of that is connected with the church worshiping and praying in the way that the Holy Spirit has been initiating and inspiring for the last few years because God has called us to a co-mission to work with him. Part of that commission is worship and prayer that's bringing shakings all over the world at this moment and in the midst of everything being shaken. What was, Isaiah, what was Isaiah's response in that moment? He says, woe is me, I am ruined. What happens when you encounter Jesus? What happens when the church encounters God? Suddenly we begin to have a revelation of Him in a fresh way. and We say, woe is me. This God is an awesome God. This God is a holy God. This God is a righteous God. He says, and I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. I was chatting to somebody the other day about what's God been doing in them during the the lockdown time and they said, if I'm honest I feel totally undone. I feel like God has just been stripping so much stuff away. That is a brilliant place to be. What a great thing for God to be doing. I feel undone. I feel because when you're undone, when you feel stripped away of of the stuff that that, that you thought you could rely on, when you feel stripped away and everything has to be God, this has got to be you, that's the best place to live because that's when we see the Spirit of God release in a fresh way. That's when God comes in a fresh way. Verse 6. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from the altar. With it, he touched my mouth and he said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt has taken away and your sin atoned for. This is what God's been doing as we've been encountering him in a fresh way, setting time aside as we've been allowed to work and move in our hearts in these last few months during lockdown. He's been touching our lives, dealing with stuff so that our response is the same as Isaiah's. Then I heard the voice of the Lord say, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. Part of this worship and prayer movement in the church is a humbling of ourselves. I know you can look sometimes and say, some of it could be a little bit me-centered or it's a lot of, you know, some of, all, but let's just look beyond in anything that God does. As people, we always add our bit to it. But within what, there's something sovereign God is doing to do with his worship and prayer. We've just already seen in Matthew 6, 9 and 10, our Father, fresh adoration, hallowed be your name, you are holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. What does that link to? Mark 1:17, when Jesus goes into the temple and to clear it out, and he says, my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves, or let's put it a modern day phrase, but you've turned it into a commercial entity. I believe that God is getting rid of all the commercial entity within the church (laughs) where we've turned it into something in a way that God doesn't want it to be. Then I wrote this down. I felt the Lord say, it's time to get back. Uh, It's time to get back to the humble servant I've called you to be, as in the church. That means all of us individually. It's time to get back to the humble servant I've called you to be. 2 Chronicles 7.14 leads into that. This verse has been used so much in the last few months, but let's just look at this. To, To be the humble servant, what does verse 14 say? If, 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 if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face, not my hand, but my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. What does humility do? Humility releases the nature and the character of God in our lives in a fresh way, why? Because we bring everything in our lives under His Lordship. Where there's humility, there's a reverence and a fear of the Lord. And reverence and fear of the Lord go hand in hand with humility, which leads to salvation and God's glory being revealed. How do we know that? Psalm 85 verse 9 says, Surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in the land. What is God doing at this time? He's preparing the church. He's saying to us, humble yourselves afresh before me Because there's my salvation, I'm releasing for the harvest, but it's connected with a reverence and fear of the Lord. And as I release my spirit for the harvest in connection with you humbling yourselves, my glory is going to come, not just for a moment, but to dwell in the land. Why do we need His glory? Because the darkness is going to get darker and we need His glory to come in the midst of that so that as we throw our nets, as we live our lives and go into the deep where all the angst, trouble, opposition and sin is at its worst, that's where we're going to need to see the glory of God Released because when the glory of God comes, it reveals who He is. He shows up. And so we're living for more than just a nice move of the Spirit to see a few things happening. We are living to see the release of God's glory, His tangible presence, His nature and character released on the earth in a fresh way. It's time to go public. Let's just pray, shall we? Father, we thank you that you are moving and you are working by your Spirit. We thank you that you have our attention. Continue to do what only you can do in us. Maybe some of us this morning have had a response of, nah, Clive's a bit over the top, some of that, the Matthew 24 thing, nah, nah, not in my life, at all. no, I'm not gonna, i wouldn't, the love of won't go cold in me. I, I tell you, the enemy's a deceiver. He dupes us. He wants us to just come off the boil and live a life that's comfortable, warm, I want to encourage you, stir up the gift that is within you. Stir up the gift that is within you. There's nothing better than praying in tongues. Stirring up that gift within you. Walking up and down. Not just kind of sauntering around and you know, but but praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit. Let the fire of the Spirit rise up afresh in you. And in those moments, He speaks, He works, He does stuff. He, he shows you things. And, and what does that do? Keeps the fire stoked, keeps His Word alive, keeps that revelation flowing, stops the enemy from trying to dupe, stops the enemy from trying to deceive, stops the voices in your own head of whatever, you know, look at yourself, look at this, look at that, look at the other. Because when you pray in tongues, when you pray In the spirit, you're strengthening your spirit man. You're cultivating the life of the spirit in you. It's so important at this time. Keeps the fire burning. Keeps that revelation flowing. And When there's revelation, you see things. Shows you how to live, how to act, what to decide. So maybe if you thought, no, I'm, you know, just, Stop for a moment and say, right, Father, I want to live in the truth of who you are. I want to live in the now of what you're doing, understanding where you're taking us and what things are going to look like. It's going to be awesome and amazing as you release your spirit in increasing measure, as your glory comes in our nation and beyond and in an increasing measure. But I also understand there's going to be increasing challenges because things are going to get darker. Things are going to get more challenging. There's going to be more opposition to to you and what you're doing. And I want to be one of those that stands now in today, but I want to go on standing in the day as you work and move by your Spirit. For I want to say so close to you and with others that I'm in relationship and fellowship with, I want to say so close to you, I don't get led off down a garden path. I don't get led off into a cul-de-sac. I don't get duped by the enemy. I want to say so close to you and your word, so close to others in fellowship and relationship to strengthen and encourage one another. That we sharpen each other, encourage each other. I want to stay in that flow of your life. Maybe... There's ways you've, in this digital world that we're in, maybe there's things you've been doing on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and other contexts that's not been positive, not been good. You just joined in the, the noise of everybody else and opinions and you don't like this, don't like that and the other. Let's not be part of the noise. Instead, let's be like a trumpet sound, a clarion sound into the middle of that, speaking words of life, speaking things of hope, bringing a different spirit into that, because our opinions in and of themselves won't change anything, it's only God's Word by His Spirit that brings life into situations. Maybe you need to pivot today, move from one side of the boat to the other. Say, God, I want to be one of those who pivots, one of those who changes position. I want to be on, the, on that side of the boat that you want me to be, casting the nets, throwing the stuff into, down into people's lives where it needs to go into the deep. Maybe one of the things is God was talking to me in the week about a city on a hill and a city has loads of houses and buildings, but also within a city there are homes and houses that do different things and represent different things. And, and increasingly our homes are gonna be places like oases where, where people have got in trauma, in pain, in hurt, they need saving, they need discipling, they need healing, they need restoration. And some of our homes are gonna be, well, many of our homes are gonna become places like that. Maybe you want your life to become a place like that in your home, where it's, where, where we're living our life in the deep, in that way, where sin is at its worst, where challenges are at their worst, because that's where God wants us to be, taking the light. That's where He's going to reveal His glory. God's not just going to reveal His glory in loads of meetings, gathering the church for just loads and loads of meetings where we have glory meetings, glory meetings, glory meetings, but we, but it never goes anywhere. God's going to reveal His glory to His church in a fresh way. So when we do come and gather once again to worship, we're worshiping Him to reveal His glory. We're ministering to Him and then He's going to minister to the world in an unprecedented way. When we come to pray, we're praying for God's glory to come to change everything. The way we live our lives, we live so that God changes everything everything so let's set our faces like a church let's set our faces as a people together to go after him in a fresh way encourage you pay something down your house your room your, your garden or your living whatever every day pray in tongues pray in the spirit stir up that gift don't be sidetracked by the news don't be sidetracked by other people's opinions but be led by him and his and the, and the word and the spirit Father, we just thank you right now. Father, I just pray anybody watching this morning that doesn't know you. Father, I thank you, you reveal your heart into their lives right now. Thank you, you show them who you are. I just believe there's one or two people wherever you are right now, you just know. Something's going off on the inside of you. Something's resonating on the inside of you. You're going, whoa, I wanna, I've got to do something. This is your moment. And you can simply, wherever you are, say, Jesus, I surrender to you right now, because that's what being a Christian is. That's what being a believer in Jesus, that's what means following Jesus. It means God, I surrender everything. I don't want to live by the current that I've been living by. I want to change currents. I want to now live by your current, by your life with you. So God, I I ask you to forgive me for every sin that I've committed, every sin that's separated from you. Please forgive me right now. Cleanse me, clean me up on the inside. All the stuff that's separated. I ask you to forgive me now. And I want to turn 180 degrees from living my life my way. And I want to live this life your way. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I just pray for anybody that's going on in their heart and life right now that you'd meet with them in this moment. I thank you, Jesus. If that's you, get in touch with us, info at KingdomFaith.com, get in touch with us. We'd love to help you, connect with you, help you connect with God and move forward with Him. If you're with others in the room right now who know Jesus, ask them, what do I do now? How do I really surrender everything to Jesus? And they're going to be able to help you this morning. Father, I just thank you on Father's Day, you have blessed families, bless fathers, bless dads, blessed granddads today. Holy Spirit, enable us to be the best dads we can be, the best granddads we can be. In your mighty name, I thank you, Lord. Praise your name. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you.